and welcome to Kick Arts with Emma and Stephen, New Zealand's comprehensive art show brought to you on Planet FM 104.6 and streaming live around the globe thanks to our podcast, which you can download anytime from planetaudio.org.nz. We have such a full studio tonight. We've got the Kiwi band sensation Park Road. We are chatting to two talented authors, Paul Mountford and Yvette Carroll, about their new books. We've got some teenagers, Josh and Lucas, in the studio to chat about books they've recently read. Plus, we have some great brand new Kiwi music being launched from Yasmin and Ari Jade. But first up, here is the track Sand Castles from tonight's main guests, Park Road. Enjoy. Washed up on the shore, bodies close to yours. Looking up above, yeah, I'm scared of falling in love. Sunset in your eyes, now I know I want some more. Summer golden hour. We just need to, darling, it's alright You paint in my eyes And I don't even care what they're talking about Darling, it's alright Don't leave me here behind And I hope that you Would just stay with me if you want me, darling Just stay with me, we can get this Stay with me, we can get this started 
sandcastles from the Kiwi Band, West Auckland Band Park Road, who are in the studio tonight, and we're going to be chatting with them very shortly. We have an absolute house full tonight, Emma. I know, it's crazy. Absolutely. All ages and, and a very male lot of it around the table tonight. I know, I'm feeling incredibly outnumbered, but thank goodness our two young reviewers have brought their mums so that I'm not completely overrun by males. Oh, I know. Good but, week? Yeah, yeah. Busy, busy, as always, but getting busier. This weekend there's been a lot of announcements. Um, a summer pri- pilot program for Stage Antics, my company, and of course I've got the summer showcase, well Christmas showcase I should say, and Queen Street Christmas. Yeah, there's a lot on now to Christmas, all there those sure things is. that have got moved. Uh, we've got Patrick, our intern, back in the studio, we'll catch up with him a little bit later on, but he's been equally busy, but still standing. Almost as tall as the door frame now. He's literally standing because there's no seats there's in the studio. Absolutely. Now, we are really lucky to have on the phone Paul Mountfort, who is the author of Scorches, a climate fiction anthology. So that's a really good place to start tonight's interview, Emma. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Hello, Emma, Stephen. Uh, it's great to be with you. Fantastic to have you. Now, this book, tell us about it. Sure. Well, um, I'd, I'd love to be claim, uh, to claim to be the author of all of it, um, but I'm a co-editor uh, with um, Ros Prozlin, uh Dr. Ros Prozer, uh who's in Adelaide, sorry. Um, and basically, uh, we issued a kind of a provocation uh, to a bunch of New Zealand and Australian authors, which runs as follows. Um, how can writers, and by implication literature, respond within a short fiction format to the overwhelming reality of the climate crisis? Uh, given both the narrow window scientists warn we have left for mitigating the direst of consequences and the ever-growing chorus of demands for urgent action. So the 16 stories uh, in the short fiction collection, uh, eight of them from uh, New Zealand, Aotearoa, and uh, eight of them from Australia, uh, are basically what the book is. Wow. And how long has this been in the making? Uh the initial uh, provocation to the uh, writers, which we uh, selected, um, was about a year ago. So it's come together relatively quick in terms of the shelf life of a book, and I just have to tip my hat here to Anoya Publishing's um, imprint, Steam Press. And just in case uh, you know we don't get to it, I should just say, for anybody who's interested in this volume, Scorches, uh, the um, link online is 5 dogs com. That's five dogs books. Five um, what is the word? Dogs books or one word. dot com. Uh, where uh, you can order copies of Scorchers, free delivery nationwide. The uh, perfect uh, Christmas gift for those hot summer nights. Wonderful. Emma's quickly noted that down and we'll be giving you some good social media plugs. And your actual copy of the book has arrived literally today to us. So we're going to make sure that that gets out to somebody to review and come back as well. Now, you're no stranger to writing because you're an Associate Professor and Chair of Auckland University of Technology Centre for Creative Writing. Yeah, that's right. That's Um, quite a title. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Centre for Creative Writing uh, was founded uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, at AUT. Uh, actually, we've been uh, running programs for 11 years and um, we have numerous graduates. Um, the centre itself is basically uh, postgraduates, so Masters in Creative Writing, uh, an MCW as it's called. Uh, we also do have a PhD students. At Masters level, we usually have about two dozen students a year split between literary projects and script writing. 
um, and we've got uh, a fair swag of PhD students too. And actually, in our department, we also have a BA uh, creative writing as well. But you're right. Uh, I guess you could say my my and butter is, is writers uh, and and writing. But just very quickly, in, in terms of what sort of provoked this notion was scorches. I'm also part of something called Klaxon News, uh, NZ. Yes, you're, you're speeding to my next question, which was exactly that, because I see you're a founding member of them. Yeah, that's right. So Klaxon, and just for readers, uh, it's C-L-A-X-O-N dot N-Z rather than the K, which is the commercial um, big uh, horn-like thing uh, that sort of you sirens that you still hear around, you know, New Zealand, particularly in coastal areas for um, various alerts. Uh, it's a kind of a klaxon. Um, and the idea of klaxon, it's a kind of uh, shortened uh, form of, of climate action. And the idea of klaxon was to sort of sound the alarm around the climate crisis. Ah, and, I see. Uh, yeah. And several of the uh, founding members of, of klaxon are, um, uh, are professors of science, uh, particularly from Auckland University, uh, Professor Alexi Drummond, Professor um, Mary Sewell, Professor uh, um, Quentin Atkinson, uh, and... My kind of, uh, um, you know, the challenge for me is how can people who come more from arts and media, communicators in other words, contribute? And what the concept was really is that the, you know, the, the source signal from the science is, is very pure, but sometimes it can get weakened and diluted in the kind of white noise of, of everyday discourse and media and everything else. And so our, the idea was to bring together scientists, communicators and communicators see how we could sort of amplify the message and um, I suppose Scorchers is, is partly my, uh, you know, response or attempt to contribute to that, uh, that, that issue. And there's some pretty amazing contributors that you've got in the book. Yes, right, Emma, absolutely. Um, I mean, some of the people that uh, most, uh, most of us have probably heard of uh, include Patricia Grace, uh, Witty Edamida, um, other names too on the side of the um, Tasman, uh, such as Rene Liang, who's, who's um, mostly known actually for her dramatic writing, but also, uh, you know, um, for fiction. Um, James George, Mike Johnson, Julia Thompson, um, and Alison Wong. Uh, and from the other side of the um, Tasman, uh, that uh, my you know colleague uh, Ros Proza put together over there in Adelaide. Uh, probably the most um, well-known writer is uh, the Australian uh, fiction writer, Sean Williams. He's actually a New York Times number one selling author. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a very major writer across the ditch. Uh, and, uh, but a lot of talent and some younger and emerging writers in there too, not just all the, all the worthies, if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and who do you think this book is best aimed at? Is this something for the climate change um, millennials in that movement, or is it aimed at someone older, or what do you think? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I've got a rather provocative thing that I say in the introduction, which is to the effect that arguably all uh, fiction now is climate fiction. It's just that the difference with cli-fi um, is that it knows that we have left the, uh, the Holocene era uh, not only that we grew up in, but that human civilization grew up in, and we've entered uh, a new and very uncertain uh, dispensation in which uh, global um, carbon levels are at concentrations that we haven't seen on a planetary level for, you know, over two and a half million years. So that's longer than the evolutionary time span of our species itself. So we're really pushing 
uh, the planet and therefore ourselves, human civilization, into absolutely uncharted territory. So my concept, or rather I would say that the wider um, ambit of sci-fi, it's not really a genre, you know. It's not, you can't say it's a genre in the way that horror is or sci-fi is or detective fiction. To me, it's more like a, a way of trying to respond to these changed circumstances and actually say, well, look, uh, you know, uh, we're, in a, we're in a different world now and it's going to get more and more different and how the hell does literature respond to it? How do the arts respond to it? So my hope would be that this would be of interest to anybody who reads and in particular to anybody who wants to see how writers really tackle this problem of how do you respond to this uh, unprecedented uh, crisis. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I suppose the book is a kind of an answer to that. Totally. Uh, well, we're, we're going to leave it there and wish you all the very best. We will get our reviewer to have a read and in a few weeks' time um, give their verdict on it as well. No pressure. And uh, Wonderful. we wish you all the success for it. We will pop that website up so that people can um, purchase your book and get in touch. And, yeah, we look forward to, to hearing next year how well it's gone. Fantastic, as do I. And thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Emma. Uh, and, thank you. Um, cheers. No, absolutely uh, fantastic. Thanks, Paul. It's, it's certainly a very important cause, so we look forward to hearing how well it went. Indeed. All right, take care. Well, Emma, that was a different book to our usual in the studio. Definitely, and some... Um different terms there as well that you know some new genres we yeah. maybe didn't weren't aware of yeah absolutely awesome well let's touch base now with um a, a room full of people tonight so uh first of all welcome to park road and i've got leo hey carlos hello angus hey tk what's up and tom hello there <laughs> sharing mics so um Briefly, just somebody kick it off. What is Park Road? How did you all come together? Um, do you all live on Park Road? Um, so we're a five-piece indie rock pop band, and um, <laughs> all from out West Auckland. We all met at uh, Steiner School out in Titarangi. Ah, so that's your common connection? Yep, and um, we actually ha- had to get a couple class couple from the class below us it was leo angus and i and we got carlos and tk from the class below us to make the full band what a great advert for steiner school pro- yeah. producing a band <laughs> like you i mean your that opening song we played i mean that's absolutely top notch when did you create that sandcastles um we came up with it on angus's birthday actually the original idea we we're just in a jam, having a jam at the school. We were practicing and then kind of got the chorus there and then wrote the rest later. Fantastic. And Leo, what do you love about this group? Oh, No pressure when they're all sitting beside you. What don't I love? <laughs> nah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we're all just mates, so it's, it's always fun. Just fun? Yeah. <laughs> Always have fun. <laughs> nice. And, Tom, what's the um, overall goal of the group? Are you, are you? I mean, we've got two tracks we're playing tonight. How many have you got on the mix, on the go? Um, well, we just want to, I guess we want to play, like, a few festivals and um, we're writing lots. So we just, I guess we just want to be as good as we can and bring joy to people and have, like, heaps of fun playing shows and 
yeah, I guess that's kind of the goal, see how far we can take it. Nice. Having fun, joy together, that's, that's just what you want music to be all about, especially this year, eh, Emma? God, yeah. Yeah. And playing in a band's quite cool. Yeah, absolutely. Especially thinking about the future, you know, play, playing in pubs and, like you said, festivals. And TK, can you tell us a little bit about some of those live performances you've done because you've been involved with Smoke Free Rock Quest, is that right? Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, we made it to the national finals, finalists there, so it was a real cool experience. And uh, and did that end up being online this year rather than live, or did you actually get in front of an audience at some point? Uh, we didn't do it this year because we're like mostly out of school. Oh, okay. Us. But last year we... Um, it was like normal, but this year I heard it was like that. Yeah. All right. So, um, what gigs so far this year? Um, like they were playing it. Or should yeah. should I say how many gigs were cancelled because of yeah. COVID? Yeah, a lot. Countless. It's so yeah, yeah, it was yeah. sad. That was hard. So, how did that feel? Like, if you had stuff all lined up and it was cancelled? Um, it was pretty gutting to be honest, because. Uh, especially with the second lockdown, it kind of felt like we were just getting back into the swing of things and starting to play more gigs. Then the second lockdown happened and sort of screwed everything up for us, which was quite annoying. So what kind of gigs are you are you playing? Like where, where have you been playing or where did you plan to play this year? Um, well, we did actually have a few good timing gigs. We managed to fit in a gig at the Tuning Fork in between the two lockdowns. And that was a real fun show we did with Arlo Mac and There's a Tuesday and we sold out the tuning fork. And then coming up, we're playing a show at Whammy, um, the Whammy Bar on the 3rd of December. And then the next one's R&V. That's pretty cool to be yeah, R&V. that's fantastic. That's, and that, what a great kickoff to your team. Where are you recording your music? Um, we've done most of our recording at the lab, which is Mount Eden. Mount Eden, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, we're just for our next single, we might be recording with uh, Josh. Josh Edmonds, I think. But um, we're just we're done all our stuff with Joel Mulholland at the lab, and he's real. He's real cool. He understands our sound, and we really enjoy working with him. And whose garage was it that you predominantly rehearse in, or where are you rehearsing? Maybe the person whose yes. garage it is can tell us. <laughs> there we go. Um, so back in the day, like when we were all at school, we used to um, we were lucky enough to be able to rehearse up there, which was real good. But um, I think I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they weren't too keen on that, so I sort of moved it into my lounge, and that's just been taken over by um. <laughs> musical stuff so that must be because who's the drummer I am you're the drummer so that means every time you go to Angus's lounge you've got to pack in and pack back out again no we kind of just set camp down there now it's just like (laughs) okay so we're all living in Angus's lounge that's the reality (laughs) of the year yeah (laughs) it's chill cool that's awesome. Well, um, throughout the night, we're going to chat to you some more. We're going to hear some more music. We're going to find out. So to prep you, we're going to ask you, you know, who inspired you musically? What inspires you as a group? And, of course, we're going to hear your wonderful song, Golden. But we have two very patient young gentlemen in the room who have been very busy for us reading some books, Emma. We usually have Sharon doing our book reviews, but when these two came in, we felt someone younger was needed. So uh, welcome, 
Lucas and Josh. Great to have you in the show. And Lucas, I'm going to kick off with you. What was the story that you read? Um, I read the book Catapo Joe. Catapo Joe, and it's by Brian Faulkner. And tell us, in a nutshell, what's the story all about? Um, it's about a kid who lived in Nazi Germany and his parents were sort of anti-Nazi and they started being, like, rebellious, so the Gestapo came and tried to arrest them. So he went on the run with his mum and turned to be a spy for the British. Quite a heavy story then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. and, and what did you enjoy most about it? I kind of enjoyed kind of watching the um, main character, Joe, um, sort of develop his ideas about the world because at the start he was sort of Nazi and then he started sort of getting less Nazi at the end and then he became full, like, anti-Nazi. So it's got a happy ending? Sort of. Sort of. I mean, you don't want to give it all away for our listeners. Yeah. Um, from a reading point of view, was it a book you could just pick up and read all the way through to the end and, and love it, or, or did you need gaps and come back to it? Like, how quick a read was it? Um, I was sort of in the middle of exams, so I had a lot of time to just sit around and read it, but it definitely was a good book to read either way. Okay. And... Uh, anything you didn't like about it when you were reading it? Not really. I can't think of anything. Well, that's a good review then. So who do you think it would appeal to? So what age of person? Above 12 or like 12 and above. But, yeah, I wouldn't say young children at all. <laughs> but, like, yeah, um, early teenagers. Early teenagers. That's cool. Of. Okay, and what sort of books do you usually read yourself? Like, was this similar to what you usually read or completely different? I read a lot of books, so I don't really read one specific genre of books. Okay, and if you were to give it a ranking out of 10, because Sharon, our regular book reviewer, likes to rank them, 10 being absolutely amazing, buy it as a gift, 5 being it was okay. And also for her 10, it was ease of getting into it. Yeah. So like not feeling like you were really struggling in the first chapter, but you wanted to keep reading on. So that was a 10. Probably 9. Oh, wow. wow. That's a good score. Yeah, absolutely. Brian Faulkner, great review there. All right, thanks, Lucas. Um, we will shuffle the mic over now to Josh. And, Josh, you've been reading Des Hunt's latest book, Red Edge, and we chatted to Des a few weeks ago on the show and talked all about him creating this book. Uh, so tell us, what's the story all about? Well, to start off, is basically there's this girl called Cassie who has just moved into Christchurch with her dad and she meets a person who she becomes friends with called Quinn and Quinn tells her about this house that lives next to her which got destroyed in the Christchurch earthquakes and but Quinn says he sees people walking into their like garage little area and so Quinn and Cassie decide to see what's happening and as they go in they notice that something is not right 
and that they're doing something with natus, native insects in there. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you because both the books have, have bugs on the cover. So um, it, this is wetter on the front, obviously, has some part of the story. And did you enjoy it? What did you like about it? I liked about, it was in a way, it was like a true story because, like, with the Christchurch earthquakes, it actually happened. Nice. In ways. And also, like, the stuff that was happening with the wetters. That was York final in the story. Okay. And, and also, like, it was a bit like a mystery and a detective thing because Cassie is a, is a bit like a detective. It was really enjoyable. Cool. And, and Des Hunt's style is always to, to make it feel as real as possible. So, you know, the link to the Christchurch earthquake certainly does that. Uh, readability, like, was it something you picked up, put down, couldn't wait to the next bit? It took me about 20 to 30 pages to get into it. Okay. But as soon as I got into it, there was a bunch of suspense of wondering what's going to happen next. And one night when I was reading it, I just couldn't put it down, so I ended up staying up late. <laughs> Brilliant. Don't tell Mum she's in the room. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, that's a really good good review to say, you know, it took me 20 or 30 pages because often it does take a little bit to get into a book, and even Sharon will say that. If it hasn't hooked her in the first chapter... It's often hard. Um, who do you think it will appeal to? What age? I reckon about 8 to 16-year-olds, although adults can read it if they, they find that like insects and stuff that's happening is interesting. Cool. And what sort of books do you usually read, Josh, so we get a sense of what you like? I like reading like all different genres, but I, my favourite types are like Harry Potter and also detective mystery ones. Oh, so was this a little bit different to what you'd normally read? A bit, but a- it was still really good. Yeah, awesome. And the ultimate, so uh, Lucas gave a nine for his book. Where's Red Edge sitting for you? I'll say it's about eight and a half. Eight and a half. We've, we've rated pretty high tonight. Eight and a half. That is awesome. Now, are you guys um, finished for exams for the year? Or are you doing exams or you're not quite there yet? Don't have to worry, either of you. I've pretty much finished my exams. I, have, I might have one more for my health, but not much. And, Lucas, you were telling us before the show you're off school camp this week. Um, yeah. Where are you heading? Campadere. Campadere. Hopefully there's no wetters or cartopo spiders hanging around Campadere when you're there. Um, you guys are absolutely awesome. We really appreciate you um, reading the books. You might want to swap and take each other's one home as you walk out the door tonight so that you get to hear a different story. Um, but thanks for giving up your Sunday night and coming to talk to us. And if any of our wonderful authors listening want to send us some more teenage books, we'll make sure wonderful people like Josh and Lucas have a good read. Now we're going to head now now to Kiwi artist Ari Jade, who this weekend has dropped her new song, and it's called Now You're Gone.
with Now You're Gone. And once again, Emma, uh, so fantastic that Kiwi artists are sending us their music to launch on their first weekend. Really oh, appreciate it. Oh, for sure. It. Yeah, and we're getting a lot of requests, which is fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Ari. And now, look, it's book night tonight. Um, weren't those two young reviewers fantastic to they hear were. their take on it? It was very cute. So um, now we welcome on the line Yvette Carroll, who is has been very busy writing the chronicles of, and I think it's Aidan Weaver, is that how you say it, Yvette? Yes, it is. Welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thank you. So you've been very busy writing these three books. Um, I'm going to hand it to you to sort of summarise, I guess, the, the story of them. Well, the story of the whole Chronicles, it's middle-grade fantasy fiction. It's a big adventure epic. It's set on the planet Chiron which is a land of insects, shapeshifters, and demons. And the Chronicles follows a team of young shapeshifters, which is led by our hero, Aidan Weaver, who's a, he's a boy shapeshifter who can move between dragonfly and human form. And that's an interesting sort of take on, on things, I think. I, I haven't seen a lot of it done before where we go from insect to human and back again. So I thought it gave it a bit of a fresh edge. And uh, the, the Chronicles follows this team of young shapeshifters and they have to find a legendary stone, which is called the Oran of Tane, before the Lost Island loses its invisibility shield forever. Oh. <laughs> it definitely reminds me of the books that my sons read when they were teens. It sounds fantastic. Yes. And 
did you write all three? Like, uh, they've all three have just been published. Is that right? Yes, they came out in October. So you didn't want to do the Harry Potter thing and stagger them out. <laughs> well, I. Uh, it's been a long, convoluted journey, and I did finish the first two books. I finished the first one in 2015, and I finished the second one in 2017. But as I've gone along, I ended up recalling them back. All I did was just pop them on Amazon, and I didn't do any promotion or anything like that at all. I just I was so focused on the third book, and I'm glad I sort of was able to gather them all up together and launch them as one because it, it was just, it was a celebratory, a really celebratory moment and everybody who was there at the launch bought all three and, and oh, that's cool. I, yeah, so I, I was selling, you know, box after box of books. It was just a really exciting uh, sort of triumphant moment and so I'm glad they all came out together. Brilliant. Now your writing background is more in journalism, is that correct? Yes. So tell yes, us a little bit about your writing journey that leads you to, to writing these books which are, are, are far from a journalist article in the Harbour News. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I started off as a freelance journalist. I did that uh, from sort of my early 20s through the early 30s. And through that process, I, I found just the, the, the sort of true news a little dry for my Style and I, I veered more and more towards writing the freelance articles because they were more like stories. And, and I began to realise this is really where my where my heart lies. I really want to pursue writing stories, and so slowly just dropped dropped all the freelance writing for from the journalist side, and more and more moved into uh, writing fiction. And always in the background from the time when I was 17 I always had written um, fantasy fiction for children just stories in the background and they sort of came to the fore um, at that point and I started to focus on the more and kept on going and along the way had three children with a big long break in between and so writing story really fitted in really nicely around that sort of very prolonged what some of my friends called perpetual parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've just, yeah, fitted all my writing and around that, around my kids and around what they're doing and it ended up, uh, yeah, here I am. 15 years after I began writing this particular series and into middle grade fiction now, which feels right for me. And with this, yeah, this wonderful trilogy on my hand. So great. Oh. And what's yep. next? Has twenty twenty been a year that you've hunkered down in lockdown and written your next book? Well, I've been so focused on finishing these books that I haven't done like, anything apart from start to think in those directions. And now, once, as soon as I've got this main push with the marketing done and they're they're you know well on their way then it will be time. So I'm hoping to just enjoy enjoy the festive season, Christmas, and then with the new year, it'll be time to start writing the next book. Fantastic. And you, you're yeah. saying that this appeals to sort of children 9 to 13. Is that that's yes. sort of the gold age group? Yes. And I also believe that any book can be read by anyone, and, and that's mainly because 
Kate de Goldie was one of my influences when I was starting out, and that's her belief. She doesn't write for children, she writes for everyone, yeah. and, and her books are considered to be for children, but I have the same feeling she does about that, that, you know, it should just... But, but you have to choose a genre, yeah, so yeah. grade it is. <laughs> yeah, well, we just had two young reviewers on the show who, who would be in their early teens, and I love that one of them said, you know, I said, what age do you think the book's for? And they said, oh, well, we're early to mid-teens, but actually nothing stops an adult picking up a good book and reading it. And I thought, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's quite nice sometimes yeah. just to have some fantasy in the world. Yes, that's it. Brilliant. Well, we will make sure that our social media has all the details up for your three books available. The Chronicles of Aidan Weaver, obviously sold, where all good books are sold. And we wish you every success for them and look forward to catching up again when you're you're ready to launch whatever number four might be. (laughs) Or it might be the movie rights. Come on, we can make lots of movies in New Zealand at the moment. Exactly, you never know. S- send a set off to Peter Jackson and say, here, have a read in your spare time. You never know your luck. <laughs> oh, thanks for the tip. <laughs> thanks so much. Brilliant. Thanks for chatting to us on a Sunday night and all the best with your success. My pleasure. All Thank right. you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Uh, Vic Carroll, so wonderful. Yes, yeah, a real commitment, putting three books out at once. I know. But they do look fascinating. They really remind... I was trying to remember the, the books that my son used to read. Um, which were a chronicle as well, but I can't remember what it was called now. Mm. But it reminds me a little bit too of like Percy Jackson, yeah, yeah, and the Lightning Safe. You know that whole idea of shape shifting and going on quests. Yeah, well, let's shift some shapes back to our studio now, and huh. this group of five young men that have waited patiently as we've had a big conversation about books tonight. We don't usually talk so much about books, but we've had a whole lot at the moment mm. being launched, and and mm. Sharon's been busy reading, so we'll have her on in a couple of weeks. Um, are you book readers, people? Do you like to read? Not personally. No, no. Um, well, I, I used to read a lot when I was younger, but at the moment I've been listening to a lot of um, audio books. And uh, my favourite sort of overall audio book is um, probably just the Harry Potter ones narrated by Stephen Fry. Ah, yeah, yeah, cool. So then what inspires your music, Angus? What what makes you write these wonderful songs? Audio books. Audio books. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm not sure exactly. I think it's just the thing of um. The, well, the reason I write them now is just because, um, it's just like when you go to and play a show, and you see all these people coming out to see you play some like this music that you've created, and you see everyone's coming together to sort of enjoy something that you've put out there. It's just real awesome to see. It's, so what's your process? Obviously, as a group of five, is there like a dominant lyric writer or someone that comes up with melodies? How does it work? Well, normally we start a song by jamming it with the whole band and we'll kind of... I'll record on my iPhone and voice memos and <laughs> um, if I sing something and I'm like, oh, that, that was mean, I'll listen to it back and then use that as the start of like the melody or the chorus or... And then I might write the lyrics or make a demo track on Logic with Leo. Um, so when you say jam, is it like, okay, we're going to be in the key of F now and you just start doing a basic chord structure? Or what do you mean by jam for people that aren't musicians that are listening? Uh, so more or less, um, usually it starts with one of us will come up with just an idea, a chord progression, 
um, or a rhythm or something like that. And then we bring that in to the band and say, oh, look, I found this thing the other day and I thought it sounded pretty cool. And then so we try to sort of get every, everyone sort of has their own input on it, sort of put something into it. And then we play for a bit and Tom just starts singing. He, yeah, sort of um, freestyling. And yeah, like he then he records it. And sometimes it works. Sometimes <laughs> some ideas are not the best. Thrown away. But, yeah. I've got a lot of voice memos on my phone which aren't great ideas. I think I think I've got I've got hundreds and hundreds of voice memos on my phone. It's just become like a habit of me. Every time I hear Angus start playing or Leo start playing like a chord progression, my hand automatically goes to record just in case. Like, don't want to miss any ideas. He's got a problem. Right. Yeah. Cool. Sometimes Leo's like. Why the? Why are you recording this, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, like you said, you don't know when suddenly, and and sometimes too, some of those motifs might join with another one, where you're kind of a playing one, a new one. You go, oh, remember that one from a month ago? These would actually work together. So having a recording of it helps, I suppose. So who writes the lyrics? Um, mainly myself, but sometimes I just get stuck and I'll get one of the other guys and Leo sometimes writes some lyrics and but normally I get stuck with like the last two lines because I'm a perfectionist and I just lose yeah and sometimes these other guys will kind of help me finish it finish it off cool so where does the inspiration for the lyrics come from are they you know I'll look at that pretty girl or is it look the sun shining (laughs) or what is it or is it a hot chick in the audience you know at one of your gigs what is it (laughs) Well, sometimes um, it will be like the music sounds like this, so I'm going to write the song about this and my experiences with this. Right. Say, like, some really happy-sounding chords. Like, I just, like, golden, say, the song that you guys are going to play. Just sounded real happy and and cruisy and, and just kind of, felt like hanging out with your friends and at the beach and sunshine summer stuff and how like music can really lift people up and take your mind off whatever's going on but other times leo's like tom you can't write the song about a girl okay (laughs) we've got enough and then other times i'm like it's yeah it changes but but there's five of you, so there's got to be enough girls to go around. So that should mean a multitude of girl songs, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get these guys to write write them their songs as well about about their girls. About their girls. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you could be heading down a rabbit hole in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we could be, but I'm just you know. Tom seems to be doing a lot of speaking here, and the rest of them are just laughing. So I just thought that maybe some of them might jump in and say something. So tell me about music at school, because um, part of the Steiner system, music's really important, isn't it? So, um, TK, what, what, what did They you... frowned at that, if you're a fan, oh, so maybe okay, they're no, going to disagree. No. All right, so tell me, um, music at school, did, is that something where it sort of all kicked off for you? Um, where did you start picking up those drumsticks? Well, yeah, so... My dad's played, like, drums before, but I didn't really play it. I played, like, guitar and stuff. And then they had a drummer before me, or they were kind of like a smaller group, and then they lost their drummer because he went away um, to stay somewhere else. And then I was like, oh, I could try, like, 
pick up the drumsticks and give it a go. And that's how I started playing the drums for these guys. Yeah. We kind of forced him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, our teacher also brought in a drum kit. It was her like, son's old drum kit. Just had it in the classroom, which was pretty mean to have. Yeah, so it was cool. I love it how they said the drummer went away and, and left. It's kind of like I've still got visions of them all in Angus's house. And eventually Angus's mum just said, right, you can go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so you, some of you agreed, some of you didn't. Um, music at school, uh, Leo, was, was that a, a starting point for you? I mean, there's a bit of music at our school, but it's mainly kind of focused on art. We kind of brought music. We kind of like asked them to let us do more music. That's cool. Yeah. Which they let us. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, there's not that much of a focus on music. Like, okay. maybe once once a week. I think the really cool thing about our school was that part of the curriculum was uh, in the last year to do a, your own school project. And so we got to do our one on the band and dedicate a whole bunch of time to to working on the band. And that also counted for the curriculum at the Steiner School. Um, yeah. So, so what is different about, again, for our listeners that don't know, what's the difference between a normal, like, I shouldn't say a normal school, but a normal school and Steiner School? It was a lot now. Um, I'd say the main differences are there are a lot less people and the education is more flexible, I would say. So you can kind of... Like, if something doesn't suit you, the teachers will work with you to figure out how you can do this certain project or whatever to fit the way that you learn. Right. So, do you still do NCA? Uh, no. We do CSE, which is Certificate of Steiner Education. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Which is equivalent, but... Yeah. Equivalent, but different. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And... Um, how does that th- so so playing to your style? I guess customizing it just sounds like a lot of work for teachers, though. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Well, exactly. There's not many students, so it yeah, sort guess, of yeah. means that you know you don't have to do that for like thirty kids. Does it mean that the teachers are more flexible as well? Like they're not teachers that only teach one subject; they have to have a knowledge, a broad knowledge of curriculum. Yeah. So, like trying to think of examples like our PE teacher was teaching science our art teacher teaches history They're, that's cool yes because so there aren't many teachers as well big time so, integration yeah very integrated and did you grow Fantastic. up Carlos through the school like was Steiner starts at preschool did you travel the whole journey or did uh, you join at a later point because I think you said you'd gone to a few different schools hmm. uh, so I started Steiner during class five which would have been year six i think yeah um and then i've just been in there the entire time since okay yeah so yeah cool so now you've all left school now uh all of us have left school besides me and tk but i'm very close to finishing okay so the other three of you what are you doing your first year out of school leo start with you um well, I was going to study. I'm glad I didn't because of the whole COVID pandemic. But me and Tom, we've been like writing heaps of music, pretty much just jamming it out this year. And earning money or not? 
Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> cool. Fair yeah. enough. Plug for your parents now. Yeah. <laughs> and Angus, what are you doing? Um, so I was doing sort of, I started doing like Uber Eats deliveries um, at the start, sort of end of last year, start of this year. And then just recently I've got a job um, teaching guitar. Fantastic. Oh, great. Cool. Great tool. Does Uber Eats pay at all? Um, yeah, it does. I mean, it doesn't pay for enough, an show. Just <laughs> curious. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it doesn't really pay as much as it should, but it's pretty easy to do. So. Oh, brilliant that you're teaching the guitar. And Tom, apart from making music with Leo, what else are you doing in your year? Um, I have a job doing bubbles. Um, I make giant soap bubbles at I events. just wish our audience could see. I wish we were a TV show because they're mouthing bubbles in the room. <laughs> Tell us more. You make giant bubbles. Yes. Um, and so get paid for this. Yes. Okay. I have a selection of tools which I use, like sticks, <laughs> strings with sticks, and I make up my special secret bubble mixture. Yep. Passed Colonel on by Sanders. the master. Colonel Sanders bubble mixture, yeah. Yes. And, um, 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> um, and then I, yes, I go to events and I set up my little square and got my bu- get my bucket out and make these giant soap bubbles. Uh. There's actually an, ar- like, an array of different things that I use. One's some nets, which make, like, Keeps of little bubbles. I love it how all the people not employed are laughing at you, but you're the one with money in the bank laughing exactly. back because you can actually order the Uber to get delivered. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I think that sounds cool. That's I cool. mean, I know when I used to clown, I did bubbles while yeah. I was clowning, you know, and I used to get paid to go to events as Mildred. And, um, Yes, I used to clown. Stop looking at me like that, Patrick. And um, Bubbles was one of yeah, the yeah, things yeah. I did. It was storytelling, it was face painting, and Bubbles. Because kids love Bubbles. Mm, kids just love Bubbles. Are you dressed up in costume as you're doing this? I've got a hat on with some steampunk goggles, which just go rest on top of the hat. So, yeah. I feel there's a, a band moment, though, of a song, and suddenly the Bubbles come out during the oh. song on stage. Have you, done, ha- have you guys done music videos yet? We've done one so far, but yeah. we're also making one right now. Cool. Cool. All right. But have you thought about putting, is there a song about bubbles? There should be. I <laughs> think there needs to be a song inspired about bubbles. It should be implemented into the live performance. I yeah. Reckon. Yeah. Who needs a bubble machine when you've got Tom? We, we have yeah. one. Yeah. A bubble man. You've got a bubble man. All right. Take it now to long-term goals. Um, Carlos... Where do you, personally, not just with the band, but personally, where, where do you want to be in a few years' time? What's what's the personal goal? Uh, psh, probably being successful with the band and um, hopefully doing some sort of production or mixing, engineering kind of stuff. That's sort of the aim for me. So I'm going to sound like a real teacher... Okay. <laughs> how do you measure success? So you're saying successful with the band. How are you going to measure that? Um, there's a lot of ways you could measure it, but I'd probably say popularity, the amount of followers that we get, and to a degree money, but that's not really the main goal for me. I don't think any artist mm. does it for money, do we? No. 
I think we're all pretty realistic yeah. that you can't really, unless you're someone uber, um, you know, uber famous and is making lots. Cool. TK, what about you? What's the plan for next year? Oh, you know, just finish, finish school. Just my last year, next year. So just going to... Yeah, live it out. So you're the young one in the group. Yeah, I'm the youngest. The old dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oldies. <laughs> and long term goal, five years time. Where do you want to be? Uh, like Carlos said, just like hopefully, uh, hopefully pop off with like the band and stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're putting some hopes on this band. Let's take a listen to your second track of the night, which is Golden. Now, Leo, you said this was upbeat. Tom did. Sorry, Tom. Upbeat, happy. Anything else behind this piece of music? Um, well, not really. We came up with it when we were trying <laughs> to do an- another song and then Leo just randomly started playing the chords and then came up with the song. And, yeah, as I said, it's just about kind of uh, how music can just lift you up and hang out with your mates and sunshine and surfing and stuff like that and alright yeah just the the good stuff when you need it the good stuff when you need it let's take a listen here is Golden I've been trying to fit all of these lyrics inside one brain I get so caught up in society now and then I guess I get it from my mother I'm not trying to be so stubborn but I know People change Get into a state of mind Sometimes we're not okay When I feel this out It makes it go And it's only golden And it's all unfolding I guess I get it from my mother At the time of our lives And I don't ever want to lose this It's that feeling inside Get into a state of mind Sometimes we're not okay When I hear this sound
from Park Road. Is it cool listening to your music playing knowing that it's going out on you? Yeah. Yeah? It must be, eh? It must be really cool to sit here and think, actually, there's people listening to this. Do you know what I loved? Is that after, you know, knowing that you guys are playing R&V and that, I could actually hear myself kind of bouncing along yeah. to that standing at R&V kind of... I could see a mosh pit of people kind of... Yeah. I really could. Emma will be at your next gig, front row. But look how catchy it is. The fact that I've just remembered that that's kind of like the little catch. It's such a catchy thing, and that's what good pop songs are. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the next one. And and for our audience, you know, we did talk bubbles quite a bit while that song was playing. (laughs) Did you know that he can put people in bubbles? I I think that is so cool. Next time he comes, he's bringing his bubble mix. He sure is. We're having him back on again. It's all going to be about bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Emma, in our inbox this week was a couple of news bulletins for the dance world and building on the success of an impressive inaugural year experimental dance week Aotearoa 2020 returns with a refreshed local focused format running from December 1st to the 5th at the Herald Theatre now award winning choreographer Alexa Wilson again curates the programme returning home last year after a decade based in Berlin to create the sellout festival committed to providing support for performing artists and platforming their work during a truly challenging time, this will be Aotearoa's first live dance festival held since March. So for all the information on the Experimental Dance Week, head to Ticketmaster. And Tempo Dance Festival, which has always pushed boundaries as Aotearoa's only professional dance festival, in 2020 saw them become world leaders as a globe as the global pandemic took hold, creating Going Digital to support artists and provide audience with some outstanding calibre of dance works from their homes. Tempo are proud to announce their third and final season of Pretty Putty, which runs free and online from Monday the 9th of November to Saturday the 5th of December. Tempo became the first arts festival in the world to offer a year-round program entirely free of charge, as well as being an early adopter of the shift to online as New Zealand's first arts festival to go fully digital in response to COVID-19. The entire festival has been hosted across Tempo's website and social media platforms, accessibility entirely free via devices. In addition to ensuring that all artists are paid, the Tempo team have enabled an artist donation function on their website so audiences can make financial contributions of any size while screening artists' works. So jump on over to tempo.co.nz for all the info. 
I don't know if you saw Emma on social media, and I posted on mine that amazing one of the um, lady and her. I think she was in her eighties with oh, dementia. Yeah, I did. And amazing. then they put the headphones on of Swan Lake, and she starts doing the ballet moves, and she hasn't moved from her wheelchair for many, many years, and suddenly just does does it. Uh, last night I met the wonderful Pauline, who is setting up the um, with the Duke of Edinburgh uh, awards that high school students do, going into rest homes and creating playlists for those in retirement village rest homes and those with dementia. So when you um, send your loved one into one of these complexes, you actually have to create a playlist of their favourite music throughout their life that can be played to them. So she's launching that with Age Concern in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, that's very cool. part of the Duke of Edinburgh. And I just, mm. yeah, that, that video, just, man, it moved me. Yeah, no, it was absolutely beautiful to watch. Now we have an old friend who's popped by tonight. Patrick's joined us in the studio. Good evening, Patrick. Uh, good evening. And what's happening in your world since we've seen you? Uh, I got back into rehearsals for You're in Town. Um, at, at Centre Stage Theatre Company. Yeah, at Centre Stage Theatre Company. So we're about three weeks to a month back in now and we've just finished blocking the whole show for a February show. So we're pretty excited that we're ahead of the game. Um, India's back in Auckland, finally. So I'm writing with her again. And I've For Andrew and India and Patrick do things. Do yes. stuff. Do, yeah, things? do things. Do for things. For India and Patrick, learn to host a show from that 8th to the 10th of January. I don't know. Yeah, India's the one with all the logistics. She's going to kill you if you got that wrong. <laughs> no, I definitely have got that right. Okay, cool. Um, and then I've also got CPD at the moment. So that's Cyclorama Pre-Professional Development. And we have our showcase on the 10th of December, which is exciting. So all in all, life's pretty quiet then. Yeah, I'm not doing too much at the and, moment. And this is all on top of a full-time job? Yeah, so I was working at the kitchen when I was w- working here as well, but I am now doing sales and marketing for charities, which sounds interesting, and it is, but I'm actually just the dude who stands outside Countdown and asks for your money. Ah. Yeah, but without people like you, they're not getting the funds they need. Yeah, so at the moment I'm working for Wheelchair Rugby, which is a bit off arts, but it's an awesome cause and we're trying to get them to the Paralympics for 2020. So if you see me around, help me out. Cool. Sure. And um, your show with India, how's that preparing and coming along? Uh, Are you learning how to host a show? um, Yeah. Well, I'm learning that it takes a lot more to put on a show than we actually thought. It's been an interesting experience, yeah. We had our first meet-up again on, yes, last night. Was that the one that included Eskimo pies? Not Eskimo pies, ice cream slices? Yes, yes. So when I was in year 12, I would fall in love with the vanilla slices and that particular brand um, that it actually got the name Canines. And everyone at Takapuna Grammar, well, I say everyone, everyone in my year group at Takapuna Grammar knows that ice cream sandwich is Canines. But are they ice cream sandwiches or icy slices? That was always the debate in our house. Mm. What what was it for you guys growing up? Ice cream sandwiches or icy slices? They don't even know what you're talking Gotta about. Got to be ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. I have you? never heard icy slices in my Excellent. life. Excellent. Yeah, me neither. So ice cream sandwiches. Fabulous. <laughs> I've never heard icy slices either. What the hell is an icy slice? <laughs> Thank you. So it's an argument we used to always have in our house. So it's like doing bubbles. To I mean, icy all my slices. family listening, um, I win that argument. <laughs> all right. So a busy couple of weeks ahead for you, Patrick. Yeah. So uh, up until I'm doing the showcase on the 10th of December um, for Cyclorama. 
and then you're in time rehearsals are going to the 20th of December. So basically. Oh, that's close to Christmas. Yeah. And then I have two weeks off where you can find me in my home catching up on all the sleep I missed. Rocking in a chair. <laughs> yeah. Knitting. <laughs> awesome, Patrick. Well, we look forward to catching up with you. And on the 20th India. of December with India. We're interviewing. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Nice to have you here as always um, and help shuffling our busy studio around tonight. So... Emma, question for the guys. Oh, yeah. I want to know um, why music? What was your inspiration to start music? We'll start at this end with Tom. Um, for me, I've just always really been fascinated with music and for some reason it was always like a dream um, from ever since I can remember. I don't know why, but um started playing ukulele and then ever since then been pretty passionate about music and writing my own, own songs. and So it was a personal drive rather than parents pushing you into music lessons as a young boy? Um, yeah, I'd say so. And then um, I yeah did the first, uh, just did a music night at our school, which kind of started it all off. Um, I just had to, got some advice from a friend and just set a date for a gig at our school and then I called up a whole bunch of mates including Angus and we just had to do it and learnt a set of songs cover songs and played a couple originals and then ever since then just kind of carried on with band with the band yeah cool and TK we know that it was dad's drumming Mm. well no it was guitar first and then drumming because these guys made you play drums yeah Cool. All right, Angus, how did you start? Um, so my dad actually played classical guitar um, from when he was 8 to when he was 16. And we've just always had a few guitars in the house and stuff. So I picked up a few sort of things from him um, before I actually started taking lessons. But I, th- I think I was um, sort of 11 or 12 when I started taking lessons and I was just like fascinated by the instrument. Like, I'd just go home, I'd sit in my room for hours every day and just practice. That's you know? awesome. I always found the guitar really frustrating and used to just give up. And I think it was more to do with, it just wasn't a natural thing like mm. singing was. So, yeah. Okay. And moving on. How did you start? Uh, I started randomly when I was 14 and one of our teachers brought in their bass and... I just started messing around on it and I was playing some of the guitars at school as well. And then I hounded my dad to uh, get me a bass for Christmas and then that's how it started, pretty much. Awesome, cool. So music did sort of inspire you at school, you see. Yeah, in different ways. And Leo, what about you? How did you start? Um, First of all, I played the piano. My mum was always pretty musical, so... We had a piano at home. I actually got piano lessons, but I never really liked getting lessons for some reason. Just didn't like getting taught. Too much structure. Yeah. But then, um, yeah, I didn't really do it for a while. We played ukulele at school. Our teacher forced us all to play ukulele. Shout out Mr. Wiggly. Um, <laughs> big influence. Um, but yeah, then when I was in high school, I like didn't do music for ages. But then when I was in high school, I suddenly just started like producing things on my computer yeah making some songs and then tom was like you should join the band and yeah 
they did. So are you the majority of stuff, like when before you guys were saying that you might come up with a um, chord structure, yeah. is that using digital devices or do you sit down at the piano and the keyboard and do that? Well, usually it's on the guitar, so we're just like... Oh, so you're on the, you're the yeah. guitarist? Me and Angus both play guitar. Right, cool. So it's two guitars, a bass, drums and vocals? Yeah. And I play keys on a couple songs. Cool. Do you all sing as well at different times? Me and Tom sing. So Tom's the lead vocals and I put in some harmonies. Cool. Cool. Fantastic. And TK, you're lucky enough to have Kick Art's own Georgia Parker as your manager at the moment. Yeah, super lucky. I'm stoked about it. She's um a gangster, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that come about? How did you end up with, if any of you tell us, how did you end up with Georgia as your manager? We met Georgia at Smoke Free Rockwest last year. Yeah, and I don't know, ever since then, we just kind of became homies, and then, yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. You're really lucky. I mean, Georgia's is fantastic, and, and oh, you can't get more West and Park Road than having Georgia herself, you know, looking after you. That That Good is fit. cool. Um, name of the band, did we ask how that came about? I think we did before we came on air. Uh, yeah, but may, maybe not on air. How did Park Road come about? Uh, it was where we started practising... Um, yeah, we had uh, like a little room and we just practiced and the drums were way too loud, but uh, we had to come up with a name in a, a week, so we just decided Park Road, couldn't find anything better, but I, it's definitely grown on me. <laughs> grown on you, that's awesome. All right, shortly we're going to ask about the next songs in your horizon and where people can track down your music. But first, the popular artist Yasmin, who we interviewed a few months ago and we featured her popular song Baghdad Boy, has now released her full album Songs Over Baghdad. Here is one of the tracks from that album called Politics on a Pop Song.
Yasmin with Politics on a Pop Song. Um, I remember interviewing her a few months ago, Emma. I was really impressed, but just like her focus around her album and what she was creating. And mm. that seemed a long way off, but it's already out. She's it's done crazy. a great job to get that out this year. Because, of course, for our listeners, she was the one that had been in science and had been in the lab. That's right. And had been doing all that and then had kind of committed to going full-time music. Yeah, yeah. So clearly she's worked blimmin' hard to get a whole album launched. Absolutely. And we'll close the show with another one from her album. So speaking of albums, uh, Leo, when can we expect the album? What's next on the horizon for you guys song-wise? Um, so we've got a bunch of songs written at the moment, but the problem is studio time money. costs a lot of money. Mm. So yeah, we're hoping to do that soon, but no promises at the moment. So have you guys thought about crowdfunding, doing a boosted and getting help? Yeah, we did that for our last EP that we released. We got a lot of funding for that from, we set up a GoFundMe. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And in the meantime, I think we're going to be releasing at least one single um, recording in December. Yeah. So, yeah, got that to look forward to. And what's that one all about? Bubbles. Control. Oh, control. 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 There you go. Nice. And um, you're playing R&V. How long do you get to play? Like, is it a couple of sets? Is it like a couple of hours? How does it work? (laughs) Don't know, but I imagine it'll be probably half an hour or something. Cool. And is the aim of that to build visibility and following? Yeah, I guess so. So have you got 30 minutes of songs written or will you be doing some covers? How do you mix it up? Well, we've got, we've got like, I don't know, of originals, we've probably got about an hour and a half now. Oh, so brilliant. We'll, yeah. You we, need to we keep, can, keep releasing some more music then. Yeah. yeah that's we've got awesome. a lot of unreleased music right now. So, you're playing at the Whammy Bar on when? 3rd of December. Yep, at the thir- on the 3rd of December and we uh, it's for the Golden Release show and we've got Little Sunday opening for us. So, it's on K Road. It's going to be a fun night. And how do people get tickets to that? Is uh, it a ticketed event? Um, yes, it's... Uh, on Instagram and Facebook, I think we've got the bio in our... Link in bio. Link in bio. <laughs> and I think it's a bit over $10, is it? Yeah. Cool. That's so, cool. speaking of it's on our Instagram and socials, how do people follow you? At Park Road Music on Instagram. Looking at you right now. And they've got a little street sign, Park Road. That's how you find them. <laughs> oh, look, they've got a picture Don't of them at us. Rhythm and Vines in 2020. Wait, did you play at Rhythm and Vines last year? No. That's a, that's that's coming up. Oh, because it's before New Year. Okay, I'll, <laughs> really? I'll stop being dumb now. <laughs> on the 30th, in fact. So you're planning a concert one day on Park Road, close the road. Ooh. That Would that be a great music video? I used to live on Park Road. There's a little bit of history for you. Um, I remember packing out one show one night and had my car full of costumes and it kind of got stolen from the top of Park Road. But um, wouldn't it be cool to close the street off and do a really good marketing campaign on Park Road? It would be very cool. No extra charge, Georgia, for the inspiration there, (laughs) passing on to these young men. (laughs) That's cool. Um, We've talked a lot with our guests throughout the year about lockdown and COVID-19 and how that's impacted people and... 
it's quite we, we've often had older adults that we've asked the question so I'd like to sort of go around so Carlos you know how has this year been for you personally as we're asking you know young guys how did you cope because some didn't um it has been difficult particularly with school and it has sort of like all of my assignments have been like kept pushing back and back and back and just making the whole school year longer um, but surviving through lockdown was basically uh, a lot of writing music. I think that goes for all of us, and uh, to a degree, video games. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Video games where you were in touch with, like online video games. Uh, yeah, most of the time, yeah. Because I suppose that was how a lot of yeah, teenagers coped was they were staying in touch with people via online gaming. And TK, you're still at school. How did the the year go for you? Yeah, it was like the same as um, Carlos, probably. It was real slow and long and, yeah, it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So were you actually looking forward to going back to school after lockdown just to be able to hang out with real people? Yeah, I was keen to see, like, real people and stuff. (laughs) Nice. And um, Leo, for you, how did you cope with this year? Um, During the lockdowns, I actually spent most of my time skating or going on walks. I needed to get some fresh air most days. Needed to keep active. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't stay inside. Yep, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. So, Angus. Um, well, I actually, I don't know. Um, I can see this for us as a band. Like there have been some benefits out of it. Like um, I'm not sure if we would have been playing in R and V if um, there were more international acts coming over and stuff. And that's, also, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, because we did that show sort of just after the first lockdown. I think um, that was a really successful show because everyone was just sort of desperate to get up, back out there and just um, have a good time. Okay. And, yeah. And what would you say to somebody who's your age wanting to get into music? Um, well, I'd say so if, at this age you probably have a lot more time than you will when you're older. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> nice, nice answer. And, Tom, did you practice your, your bubble technique during lockdown? Are you regretting that you said that word tonight? Um, <laughs> I'm regretting that I didn't uh, make my, yeah, practice my bubbles. But I was mainly just, I bought a, I bought a skateboard for the second lockdown and did a whole bunch of surfing because you could surf for the second lockdown. So those were the kind of things that saved me, just surfing and skating, making music. So it was actually quite quite nice for me, actually. Brilliant. And um, if you were a young person was listening and wanting to start a band, what would you say to them? I'd just say get a whole bunch of people who are like-minded and um, start playing music. Just set a date. Make uh, get a venue and then that will force you to do something cool. I like that. Set a date, make it happen. Hey, uh, we're talking about Georgia Parker. So here is a little bit of music from her dad, who is a very talented musician, Dave, who's part of the Nukes. Um, this is a song they've recorded One, called two, Go Well. Change, but this is not the end. 
wonderful Dave Parker, George's dad and that song, Go Well written by Ben Collier Um, awesome family of talented people the Parkers Um, so guys, how can people track down your music if they want to have a listen to more and keep following you Um, you can find us on every streaming platform Spotify, Apple Music, all that jazz under Park Road Park R-O-D not R-O-A-D yeah, I just discovered that, yeah. that yeah. earlier today I had tagged a bunch of very strange leather-wearing old guys. Um, <laughs> but I've updated it now. But they appreciated yes. the plug. Well, That's I don't know. Idea. They hadn't liked it, so maybe they didn't see it. So, um, But it's now tagged as Park RD Music. Brilliant. Cool. Hey, guys, thank you so much for giving up your Sunday night to come and chat to us. Uh, You've been an absolute pleasure, and thanks for sitting through some book reviews as well. Hope you're all going to go home and read a book tonight. Uh, But, you know, absolute pleasure. We wish you all the best for what's left of 2020 and an amazing 2021. Good luck for those still finishing school this year and next. And please stay in touch. We want to keep promoting your music because we absolutely loved it. And take some pictures of Bubbles, please, Tom, and send them to us because we want to see you. Inside of the, ho- the whole band with bubbles, we want to see it. Um, but honestly, guys, your music that, that was stunning, so mm. uh, we really look forward to seeing where this is going to take you. Stay together, keep listening together, keep working together because, yeah, you've got something unique, don't throw it away. 
Uh, awesome. Emma, another busy, busy night tonight. Yeah, it was a busy night. It's great. So um, people out there, come and be on the show. Let us know. Drop us an uh, email at kickarts1 at gmail.com. Tell us what's going on in your world of arts, whether that be Christmas products or what is it. Um, yeah. And come and Come and talk to us about the arts, and any be- kind of arts. A beautiful message on our Facebook page this morning from the family that won the tickets to the APO. I don't know if you saw that. She posted up what a wonderful night they had last night and that her children, her teenagers that are musicians, came along and were so inspired and want to be in an orchestra like that. They went to the Back to the Future that we gave Fantastic. away Fantastic. That's great. So and actually, we had an email, and you may not have seen that either, from um, the guys from last week offering to give some tickets away to the improv. So we need to work out how to do that this oh, week. Oh, good. We'll pop that up. Uh, have a fantastic week, everybody. We're going to go out with Yasmin, another song off her album called We're All Going to Be Okay, which feels appropriate. And uh, have a fabulous week. And always remember to... Kick some arts. I know for sure I'm not the first to lose a love I'm not the last to mourn Somehow it gets a little easier knowing we all hurt the same, yeah, we all hurt the same Just stop for the suffering in God's name And it's always in God's name But we're all
Chama de Deus. 